This is Joan Boney speaking. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says to us, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And what is the way of death? The Apostle Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what did Jesus just say? Wide is the gate that leadeth to destruction. Abusers of themselves with mankind, taking advantage of other people for your own benefit. I bought a new leather sofa a few years ago, brought it home, had it brought home. My cleaning woman came in the next day, and she said, Did you know that your cat has scratched the leather on the new sofa? And I said, No, I didn't. I went in and looked at it, and sure enough, there was a rather small scratch where she had jumped up on the sofa. At that time, she still had her front claws. Abusers of yourself with mankind. I could have had them pick the sofa up. I think I had 30 days to return it. But if I had done that, I would have been an abuser of myself with mankind. For either I would have been taking advantage of the furniture store or taking advantage of another customer who might have purchased that sofa. Do I want to risk my soul over a sofa? being abusers of myself with mankind, or just take the loss. It turned out a few years down the road, I was injured and moved to Colorado Springs where Pam Paget was going to help me, and I didn't have even have room for that sofa in the area where I would be living in her house. I gave the sofa to my contractor's son. Abuser of yourself with mankind. 
We'll try to hide the problem and take advantage of other people. This is just one of many of the ways you could abuse yourself with mankind. Is it worth your soul? It says that if you do these things, abusing yourself with mankind, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Reading once again, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall enter the kingdom of God. Reading once again what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Is it worth your soul? Is it worth eternal life? Eternal life is forever. Many People in churches end up following seducing spirits and doctrines of devils in the trials of life. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 talks about the end times which we have to be living in. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils just bring ideas to your minds. And some people fail to recognize these are contrary to Scripture. By the Scripture, we are held on the path of God. For example, there are a great many commercials on bodily exercise showing how this extends your life. They do not have evidence of that. In fact, the Bible says God is in control of life and death. But you take things in from commercials, they say, if you eat a certain type of food, then it extends your life. For a few years down the road, they come along and say the exact opposite. The foods you have given up during that period of time basically avail you nothing. If you follow God concerning foods, he will show you which foods are harmful 
for your own body. There are certain things that give me indigestion, and he shows me it's that food. When I eliminate that food or cut back on the amount of that food, I no longer have the problem. See, we follow God, who knows all things. He knows exactly why we are having that physical problem. And he tells us by his Holy Spirit. And we make adjustments and the problem goes away. But the world just comes up with new theories. And they tell it as if it is gospel. Well, these seducing spirits and doctrines of devils come along and pick this up and bring it to us. It's up to us to evaluate the thought. Is this thought from God? Is it scriptural? Or is it from a devil? Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You have to take every thought captive, bringing it into obedience of Christ the Word. That's Second Corinthians chapter 10. But the churches of the apostasy today eliminate many scriptures from the Bible that offend people. And they teach people a doctrine which says, God loves you and wants you to be happy. So, of course, a divorced woman could remarry. Of course, a man could marry a divorced woman. By teaching these things, they eliminate several scriptures. Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. 1 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11. Paul says, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. This is a commandment of the Lord for the New Testament church. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Verse 39, 1 Corinthians 7. The wife is bound by the law as long as as her husband liveth. Now, you may say, but we don't live under the law. No, you've got this wrong. We don't live under the law of Moses where we sacrifice animals for sins. But we have many laws of God in the New Testament Bible. This is one of them. 
and we live by the rules of the New Testament Bible. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. It must be another true Christian. Romans 7, verses 2 and 3. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. How do you become one flesh with your partner, your husband, your wife? How do you become one flesh? Is it by a marriage certificate? A piece of paper? No. God had another way to join together people, whether they be married or not. Paul tells about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Start at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot, prostitute? God forbid. What know ye not? That he which is joined to an harlot is one body. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh, whether they are technically married to each other, whether it's a one-night stand, whether it's a prostitute. This is a very Serious matter, sexual intercourse. You will become one flesh, even with a stranger, at the time of sexual intercourse. So Paul says in verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Every other sin is different from fornication because at the time of fornication, you become one flesh with that person. There's such a fragmentation. If you keep having fornication with different people, think how fragmented you would be becoming one flesh with all these different people. I know there is an unseen penalty. The amazing thing is, in 45 years of attending church, I've never heard this scripture spoken at a church. This should be taught to everybody. This 
is the power of God to keep us from sinning. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So you divorce that other person. How do you separate that one flesh? You're not going to separate it by a divorce paper from the court of law. You're one flesh with that partner through sexual intercourse. And in his house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And Jesus said to them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now to the women, First Corinthians chapter 7, the commandment of the Lord, verse 10, was, Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried. Make up your mind ahead of time. If you leave your husband to remain unmarried the rest of your life or return to your husband. Know this ahead of time. To the men, the only scriptural divorce for them to obtain is if their wife has been unfaithful with another man. And that applies to men only. There's a different rule for men and women. We see it in these scriptures. For the men, if the wife is unfaithful, they can divorce the woman. One of the people in our church group filed papers with the courts to divorce his wife. I called him and asked him, was your wife unfaithful to you? He got real quiet, and then he said, no. And I said, well, the only scriptural divorce is if the wife is unfaithful. And I said, read Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. Apparently he did that, and he withdrew the divorce proceedings from the courts after he examined the scriptures on the subject. Some homosexuals and lesbians are saying that they were born that way. What if we just read in Mark chapter 10? From the beginning, God 
made them male and female. You're either male or female. It has become ludicrous to think that you can't tell what sex the baby is. God turns the homosexuals and lesbians over to vile affections when they will not keep him in mind. He turns them over to vile affections. They're not born homosexuals or lesbians. They are turned over by God to be homosexuals and lesbians when they refuse to keep the knowledge of God in their mind. Romans 1. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. They worship the created rather than the creator. They worship the mountain. Oh, look at that magnificent mountain. Never thinking it was created by God who made heaven and earth. They have their eyes focused on that which was created by God, but not on the creator. And they imagine all sorts of things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That's verse 24. Verse 26, Romans chapter 1, verse 26, 27, spells this homosexual lesbian situation out very clearly. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. In the Bible, it's called vile affections, homosexuals and lesbians. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Can a homosexual be saved if he repents? It's just like adultery. If she repents and stops being an adulteress, if he repents and gives up homosexual acts, if he looks at the scripture 
and says, oh, I'm committing a sin. If a drunkard looks at the scripture and says, this is a sin in the sight of God. Joseph was a slave in Egypt and Pontifer was his master. Pontifer's wife wanted to have sex with Joseph. What did Joseph say? This is Genesis approximately 38. What did Joseph say? How can I do this great wickedness against God? It's against God. Sins are against God. When you have the knowledge of the truth and turn from the sin and do that sin no more, of course you can be saved. But you can't be saved by churches approving you in your sin so that you will feel comfortable doing the sin. One time, a young man objected to the rules of the Bible. He said, it's so legalistic. I was troubled. I turned to God. I said, what he said really troubles me. And God reminded me of this passage Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And then God said to me, The world wants approval to sin. They want approval in their sins. The church wants freedom from sin. We don't want to sin. So we have all these scriptures which Keep us on the straight and narrow when we follow the scriptures. I saw a TV show recently about a big law firm, and they were just doing all kinds of sin. I mean, it was just incredible lying and the conniving that they would do. And as I watched it, I realized people like that have no guidelines. From God. We are so fortunate. We have these scriptures which show us the way to go and the way not to go. We're so fortunate. Now, what about that person who knows the truth about being a homosexual or being a drunkard or committing adultery or fornication? And yet he continues to do it, or he goes back and does that again. Well, Peter said it would have been better off never to have known the truth than to have returned to the sin. It's like a dog returning and eating his own vomit. And in Hebrews 10, 25, we read the following. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Now, that doesn't mean go to an apostate church. You're not assembling yourself together when you go to an apostate church, a church that has cast aside certain scriptures to allow people to be approved in sin. We are not part of an apostate church. We're a pure church. 
following the Holy Scriptures by the Holy Spirit. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and a fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Why wouldn't there be sacrifice for sins? Jesus sacrificed for our sins once for all. After you learn the truth of the scriptures and know that is a sin, Jesus would have to die again to pay for your sins. That's not going to happen. That's the reason he says there's no more sacrifice for sins if you go and do that sin again after the knowledge of the truth because you would be crucifying Jesus afresh to pay for your sins. So he says if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries, the adversaries of the scriptures who have gone out and committed those sins over and over and over. He that despiseth Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who have trodden under foot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In Revelation 3.5, Jesus says, He that overcometh, overcoming through God the temptation, overcoming through God the wrong way of life, going the right way of life, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. I will not blot his name out of the book of life. We can see that our names could be blotted out of the book of life if we fail to overcome and live the way of the world. After we have received the knowledge of the truth to go back to our sins of our previous natural flesh. We need to hear these words. It's not a one-time thing. 
It's so evil in the world today. The closer we get to the end of the world, the more evil will escalate. We need more than ever to hear the exhortations of the Bible because we're told here to speak these things, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more. Exhort the people even more as you see the day approaching. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. Thank you.